Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Debate with Sam and Tate. I am Sam Holt, joined as always by the awesome Derek Tate. Tate, it's been a minute since we've hung out, hasn't it? I was waiting for the intro music, and now I'm just kind of awkwardly sitting here dancing to myself, kind of waiting for some stuff. It's been a while, yeah. I'm kind of, yeah. don't know what to do with my hands right now. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. I can't even, <laughs> like, already one second in and I hit the mic and it's going to sound terrible now. But that's okay. It's been a minute, but we actually have news is this to thing, talk about. Is this thing on? Is it on? Check. Good to go. All right. What are we talking about today? Guys, we're in rare forms so and just, and I'm not even drinking yet. So, you know, it's, this is going to be a really good little uh, session with Tate and I, um, but news dropped today. You know, Julio is officially going to be on the move and treated to the Titans. Your first reaction when you saw that notification or it, better yet, saw my text saying, Hey, remember when we were going to talk about Julio this afternoon? He finally got traded. <laughs> I, I'm super glad that we were going to talk about it anyway. And then, of course, the news drops. So we have to go ahead and redo all of our notes, redo everything. Now analyze it from just one team's perspective. But at least we have clarity, right? Um, my initial reaction was I actually don't think that it really moves the needle very much for Julio himself. I think it probably helps Ryan Tannehill more than anybody Mm -hmm. Uh, because if you're just kind of swapping places with Corey Davis and getting an upgrade in Julio Jones, uh, that certainly helps Tannehill who, I mean, he only threw 481 passes last year, but they were, this was an incredibly efficient offense under oddly enough. And tell me if they're in cahoots here or not. Arthur Smith, uh, is now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, but of course he was the OC with the Tennessee Titans and, or be it me, they go ahead and trade Julio Jones to his old running team. So, uh, but I mean, now, now you got Todd Downing, who is the offensive coordinator, right? So now we're now we're digging into the numbers. I'm the reason why I'm not as bullish on it because Arthur Smith did a fantastic job helping develop and put Ryan Tannehill in a position to succeed. And the two the past two years, Tannehill's had what is very rare in the NFL, which is like a epiphany or, or basically a rebirth at the quarterback position at like the age of 30, which is very, very, very rare to happen. But it, it's worked out with Tannehill there in Tennessee, and now you get Julio Jones replacing Corey Davis. But, uh, yeah, certainly they've got a lot of heavy firepower, the best running back in the National Football League, arguably. you got A.J. Brown, who's one of the nicest up-and-coming receivers. And I, I think that it what Julio does still at an elite level – plays very well to what A.J. Brown does very well. Um, I think it's going to – it doesn't really hurt A.J. Brown to me. Uh, it, tell me you don't agree with that perhaps. I don't think it hurts A.J. Brown. I actually think that Julio still demands double teams. No, I agree. I think Julio does still demand double teams. And anytime he's going to be on the field in this offense, I feel like he's going to draw that coverage. But it's just going to be interesting split coverage to see – if they're just going to double cover both of these receivers, because you've got crazy, amazing speed with both of them. AJ Brown is just a beast of a receiver as well. So you definitely feel like you need to cover him with the double coverage anyways. So I feel like this is going to open up the field for a lot of different things. And obviously, you know, targets have shifted tight end a bit vacant there for the Titans now. So <laughs> kind of another way for them to eat up targets, Julio's going to be able to t reach into those targets. He's going to be a good red zone threat, as he's always been. He's just one of those veteran presences that no matter where he landed, you knew he was going to take targets from other receivers because he's Julio. And as long as he's healthy, he is going to be a threat and a good presence on the field. Um, 
I think he's just, he's going to balance out Brown really well. Like you said, they're not, uh, the amount of targets to go around there isn't as high as with other teams. So, but they're very efficient. So I feel like it, they're going to be a good one to punch and a pretty heavy handed one to punch at that. Well, think about, think about all the opportunity that Julio went from in Atlanta, which Matt Ryan led the league in pass attempts. Right. And now you go to Ryan Tannehill and it's almost like the script is kind of flipped. Uh, you know, Tannehill still was through 33 touchdowns, which is fantastic production. But Derrick Henry carried the football 378 times. Like he led the league by more than, I believe, 50 carries to the next closest guy, which I think was Dalvin Cook. Yeah. So you start taking a look at how this team is built to win and it is built to run through Derrick Henry for good reason, because he's King Henry for a reason. Julio certainly adds an element to their vertical passing game. Um, he is still a phenomenal route runner. I, I mean, I've heard folks say, oh, well, Julio's on the down part of his career. Tell me you turn on the tape of when he was healthy last year and tell me if you see any decline in his game at all. I, I saw none. If anything, I think he's actually at the peak of his like craftiness as far as his releases off the line of scrimmage, his ability to play off of his own tendencies and set up defensive backs to break them off. I mean, just, I, I think that Julio still has another couple years of like pro bowl, if not all pro level production. And I'd be hard pressed. We were talking, I was talking about this with somebody else uh, not too long ago off air. Can you truly name 15 other wide receivers when healthy that you would rather have than Julio Jones? No, he's definitely up in the top on that list for me as well. Um, and as a Julio owner in a main dynasty league that I have, and we'll talk about dynasty and implications. That's what's for him tricky. Yeah. Next, last year, watching him was frustrating because he's so fluid, even though he was hurt. There was only just brief moments where he would kind of have a limp or just a hitch in his step. But even playing hurt, he was really, really successful, drew coverage the way he needed to do it for the other offense so that other receivers could get the ball. Like he's someone that when he's playing, he's there 110%, even if he's not feeling 110%. So he's an amazing presence to be added to any team. Um, we were talking off air about where you wish he would have landed. And I loved where you, you would have loved to see him. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about maybe a couple that come to mind, but green Bay. The Niners is, was a, the Niners was a high one on a lot of people's lists, but sorry, you were saying it for me for, it was green Bay. I mean, with San Francisco, uh, you know, just so we can kind of like talk about what we actually talked about off air. That's actually pertinent to where Julio could have landed. Uh, a lot of people saw that connection with Kyle Shanahan because Shanahan was the OC back in Atlanta, obviously yeah. used Julio on some of his most productive seasons in the national football league. So, he certainly knows what he has and it would have, he would have used them in, in a, in the proper way, but we don't really know what's under center. I mean, is it even going to, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to even start, you know, can you say confidently that he's going to start 10 games this year? We don't know. I mean, so then we, do we know what we have with Trey Lance? No. I mean, he didn't play football. It feels like all of last year and we're going off of like, yes, was it a phenomenal 2019 season? Anyway, point is we don't know what was there. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, though, all things, you know, you actually want to prove that, hey, you know, Aaron, we really do love you, and we're sorry we drafted Jordan Love. Here's Julio <laughs> Jones. Does that help? Yes, that would help. But, um, of course, the Packers front office did not go ahead and, and make that happen. And, and if it turns out that it's a second-round pick 
I, you're the Green Bay Packers. You've been to back-to-back NFC Championship games. You don't think a second plus another pick or something of that nature wouldn't be enough to, or be worth bringing in a guy that's still got, I think, two more years of really good football uh, along with the reigning league MVP. Yeah, I just, And not to mention Aaron Rodgers off of, again, a similar system, kind of that Shanahan tree, Matt LaFleur, where he kind of comes from with some of his roots in the coaching, uh, NFL coaching system and how he was brought up. Um, I think that it would have really worked very well opposite of Devontae Adams, because if you d- double Devontae, you're telling me that you're leaving Julio singled up on the opposite side with the best deep ball thrower in the National Football League with Aaron Rodgers. My goodness, but it didn't happen. No, it didn't. And it's it's frustrating because the more that I hear you talk about, the more I'm like, yeah, damn, that would have been good. That would have been the one thing that the Packers could have done to get Aaron to finally answer their phone calls of like, you coming to work today? Just like seriously, his voicemail must be completely full because this guy is traveling. He's in Hawaii. I don't know where he is right now, but he's absolutely not anywhere near practice. But can you imagine getting that one notification on his phone and being like, oh, we got Julio. Gets on the phone with all the guys. All right, guys, we're showing back up to work in, in one week. We'll finish off this trip, and then we will get back to the offense. I, I don't know. I've heard a lot of different analogies as far as Aaron Rodgers and his relationship with the Green Bay Packers. You know, I was kind of like, it's almost as if the Packers and Aaron Rodgers knew they're on borrowed time. It's like, it's almost like they're waiting for their kid to graduate And then they're going to go ahead and part ways, but you already moved in the spouse into the guest bed, like the replacement spouse into the guest bedroom with Jordan Love. It's like, okay, well, can you just make it work? Like, I know this is awkward, but just please try. (laughs) They mishandled it completely. They completely screwed it up and now they're trying to backtrack and, oh, maybe, maybe we can make this work out. Green Bay is a hot mess, but uh, as far as maybe the Baltimore Ravens is the other team, like, Lamar Jackson, as much as you brought in Sammy Watkins, I like Rashad Bateman, who they drafted out of Minnesota. Um, yep. and, and Hollywood Brown has shown some flashes. But Julio would would have been that all-pro, bona fide, true number one wide receiver that Lamar Jackson has been devoid of his entire NFL career. Um, so those three teams really jumped out as, as front runners, but Green Bay and Baltimore in particular. Yeah, and then talk about having a veteran presence like Julio amongst that class of receivers with Baltimore. That would have just, I think, really made their talent rise as well to have that next to you, Um, just showing you the plethora of knowledge that Julio has as a receiver in the league as long as he's been there and as successful as he's been, his work ethic. I think that that would have also raised their um, caliber quite a bit. But alas, that did not happen. He is with the Titans. And fantasy implications going forward just for him before we get back to what that means for uh, the Falcons and what's left there. But as a dynasty owner, I have Julio, so I'm going to be very partial to this take and really want to know what your advice is, because as you know, we talk all the time about our different leagues. I second guess my own personal choices on my team far more than I do for others. So don't do that. I do it all the time. I can't help myself. I can't, but anyways, You know, I have Julio at a very high contract in this league. It's a salary type of structure. I have him at, I think, $99, which is very high considering my salary cap is $300. So he he does eat into a lot of – sorry, Knox is playing with my leftover notes. It's okay. I haven't seen Knox in a long time either, so. 
<laughs> so ninety nine dollars, three hundred dollars salary cap, cap. Dynasty League keeper. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And I extended his contract, which means if I did drop him, I get a penalty of that because I extended him. So I have to keep him at least this one more year. So depending on where he went, I was just going to hold on to him. And I think I'm still going to hold on here. I feel like they're, like we were saying, he's going to be the number two to A.J. Brown in some weeks, potentially the number one. So I like that floor better than what I had with him with the Falcons competing against Ridley. Kyle Pitts now being there and you know he's going to get a lot of targets I feel like this is a happier marriage for him potential for a better floor I'm trying to be hopeful I I think that your optimism may be a little bit misplaced considering the Falcons just threw the ball the most in the National Football League I mean and say what you want Calvin Ridley certainly had a breakout year last year um, and he's always kind of flashed some great ability but make no mistake, there were times where the opposing team were double teaming, bracket coveraging a 31-year-old wide receiver over Calvin Ridley for a reason, because Julio is still that dude. Yes, so he's still that guy. I'm, I mean, Calvin Ridley is going to see a, a plethora of targets. He is certainly going to be uh, have a nice fantasy floor, I believe, this year. He, he's certainly uh, at the end of my top 10. Uh, as far as where I have fantasy receivers and some have him in the top five and that's completely fine. But for Julio, the thing that makes me nervous about dynasty, we, the new offensive coordinator is Todd Downing there in Tennessee. He's had one other pit stop as an offensive coordinator in the national football league. And it's again, this is going real nitty gritty for dynasty. Like no, you want to have the feel goods dynasty. You have to go into nitty gritty. And that's why if you're tuning in now and you're in dynasty, you're listening to these things because you're one of the crazy owners like Tate and I are, and we need to get into the reasons why we are keeping or even drafting someone. If you're starting a new dynasty league this year, these are the things we need to know. So go for it. Right. So, the one year that he was the OC, it was with the Oakland Raiders back in 2017. Sorry, you have headphones in. My apologies. Uh, my bad. I just blew your eardrums out. But the year prior, the Raiders were top 10 in both, I think, total points scored and total yards, like total offense. With Todd Downing as the OC, they dropped to 20th or lower that season. And he lasted one year, I think, as the OC, or OC for the Raiders. Um, you know, Derek Carr had a down year. So, I mean, he it's almost like he didn't know what the hell to do with Amari Cooper. He was dealing with an ankle injury. But that was, they also had Michael Crabtree. Crabtree scored more touchdowns than Amari Cooper did. Cooper didn't live up to that potential. Again, I'm not saying history repeats itself. I'm sure he's learned. I'm sure there's a reason why he got this opportunity. I'm not talking shit about Todd Downing. It's just, is there some uncertainty in a, a track record of past failures? Yes. All that being said, Julio is – I think they're more of a 1A, 1B than exactly. it is A.J. Brown is entrenched as the number one guy. Because yeah. a healthy Julio is still a better – in my opinion, I still think he's a better player than A.J. Brown right now. A healthy Julio, though. Yeah. There, I still think that – you know, we saw Corey Davis see like – I think it was six and a half targets per game last year. A.J. Brown on a per-game basis – uh, again, a little skewed because I don't think he finished every game, but it was seven and a half targets. Uh, but I think that that kind of levels out between him and Julio. The scoring opportunities are going to be there because they're going to be running. Either Derrick Henry is going to run for 2,500 yards this year or 
we're going to see all kinds of bombs flying down the field with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones off of play action. Um, and it's probably going to be a little bit of both. So I, th- I think that they're both, for me, Julio is still a top 15, 20 wide receiver for this year. Uh, Dynasty, I don't think it, it it moves the needle all that much. Probably a little bit ticked down, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, They're a run-heavy team, Sam. I mean, They it, are. No, I, I completely agree. They're absolutely a run-heavy team. And um, the coaching switch is one reason why I'm very high on Mike Davis this year with the Falcons, just because of the offense that they were able to run there. And now the offensive coordinator is the head coach there for the Falcons. So I'm very excited about potential for Mike Davis to have a huge, huge Mike year. Mike Davis looked great last year. He did. Like, he was very successful filling in some very big shoes. He saved a lot of people. He probably won a lot of people fantasy football seasons. I would be hard-pressed to imagine how many people won a championship that didn't, you know, have Mike Davis pick him up off waivers or some sort of interesting situation there because he was so successful for a lot of fantasy owners. He took he made the most of his opportunity, and I, I don't have any doubt. There's a reason why they didn't address really address running back in this draft. I mean, yeah. not not with any significantly high draft capital. So uh yeah. I, I, for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, I also think it opens up things for Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I think Pitts is going now that we're not having to feed Julio. We're not having to feed Calvin Ridley. Now a lot of targets open up and a lot of opportunity opens up as it was already going to be for Kyle Pitts. But it makes me feel that much more confident now that Julio, who is a perennial when healthy, you know, 140 target a year type guy is out of town. So that's going to open up for Kyle Pitts and, and Calvin Ridley uh, respectively. Yeah. I will say just uh, before I jump onto my thing, my thoughts more on the Falcons um, with Julio, with the Titans in dynasty, if you're starting a dynasty draft today and you now know where he's landing and you're trying to figure out where he's going to go in your ranks, I do see him sliding in a lot of drafts right now, just because the hype is so high on so many other players. So I think that he could be a good value pick as he slides. So I just think that there's going to be a lot of people that are questioning his usage in this offense that we've said is a very run heavy team. I feel like he's going to fall later rounds and that's going to be a great value pick if you can get him, but he's not someone I see going in the first two rounds. Well, in dynasty, he's no, absolutely not. I mean, he's, he's 32 now on a run heavy team with a a young stud that's there as well. And AJ Brown. Yeah. Um, that he's going to have to compete with targets for. Uh, they'll definitely help each other out. Um, but I agree with you. He's to me, I wouldn't spend in a dynasty startup and in particular in Superflex, I probably wouldn't spend a pick on him within the first five rounds unless I'm just saying to hell with it. I'm trying to win right now. And Julio's sitting there staring me in the face. But I, he's probably somebody I'm passing on in a lot of dynasty, uh, dynasty leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with you on not outside, not inside the first five rounds in Dynasty specifically. In redraft, as we get closer, I kind of think it depends on how training camp goes, how preseason goes for the Julio hype to come back and to even get him back into the top five, even in redraft, in my opinion. I feel like he's still going to stay really low for a lot of people. Just coming off the, you know, the nagging hamstrings, those nagging injuries. I think that's just going to plague his draft value. I just feel like people get very fickle in the off season, myself included. I'm like, eh, he's wounded. I, mean, I don't want him. I want to ask though. I mean, like, so <laughs> I, I think it's a little overblown about all the, the bumps and bruises that Julio supposedly has durability wise. I mean, 
I understand that he, he dealt with a hamstring injury all season long. Like it, it definitely hampered him. And, and I, and I understand it was a soft tissue injury that just can, he tried to come back too early. He would repull it. Like it, it's a nightmare. Yeah. But the four years prior, I think he only missed like collectively four games. It's, you know, and to my knowledge, I don't remember him having like any sort of devastating injury. It's always just kind of bumps and bruises that he's kind of playing through. I, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I'm just saying people are fickle when they look at old receivers yeah. in the league. They are. They're very fickle. I want the new shiny toy. I don't want to go with tried, trusted, and true Julio Jones. Um, All-time greats, though, at the position, have had success in productive years into their 30s. And Julio is, I believe, of that caliber. He is a bona fide Hall of Famer that has perfected his craft, worked on his craft, and he's still, at when, he, when he's healthy, is still – as good as any receiver out in the national football league. And I still think he's got another year or two of that, of that type of production. It's just in the wrong system to get super excited about. That's yeah. all. Yes, I get that. We've got Kyle center joining us. Kyle, thank you so much for tuning in. What up? He, he's jumping in there and saying that he is in a startup and Julio went in the ninth, round second overall of that round there you go before before the trade even happened so this is what i'm thinking like even after the trade i could still see him going in this round Correct. in a lot of leagues so i feel like you're gonna get so much value in him late as people pass on him so i'm just saying for anyone in dynasty or redraft you know put the little julio post-it note on your computer why not there's nothing wrong just every round just see has he gone yet no See how long you know, we can receivers, wait. Old receivers. People hate old receivers. They do. They hate drafting old receivers. And it's I, – I, I, I want to start a support group. It's like stop hating on old receivers. I'm an old podcaster now. Stop hating on old podcasters and old receivers. <laughs> I know. It's like once we've got into, into our 30s, I'm just every, – every time I stand up, I'm like, oh, I, I feel my hip. Like something hurts. There's a reason why the, the camera only goes from chest up. I don't want you to see what's going on, you know, or above the belt buckle, but up to the chest region. Like <laughs> dad bod. No. Yeah. No. So, something happens in your 30s. But like, I, I, I don't know <laughs> what it is. I feel like I'm worried that my, I'm going to tear an ACL anytime I take stairs too quickly. Hell, it's if just, I try to go, if, like I try to answer the door because I'm excited about my delivery, like Hey, my pizza's here. And then like, I go to like jump off the couch. Like, yeah, I definitely feel something like tighten up in my calf. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we just, just walk next time. Yeah. Just, you know, take it, take it a beat slower. Um, but yeah, I, what I love about the trade and just to kind of put a button on Julio landing there with the Titans is I just think that you're going to be able to get him at a great value if you're drafting him for this year, redraft or dynasty, I think that he's going to be a great value just because I see him sliding. Um, but then to, just to finish it off with the Falcons, are you nervous for them? I saw a lot of people tweeting, that's it. Falcons aren't going to make the playoffs this year, that they've just signed it over. Like a bunch of hate in terms of what this means for the Falcons offense this season. Do you agree? Well, disagree? Well, what's weird is – you went ahead and decided to double down on Matt Ryan, who, what is he, like 36 years old? I, I don't know the age off the top of my head for Matt I'll, Ryan. I'll pull but it he's, up. I'll pull it up. He's, uh, I think he's 
30 older than 35, right? So that means he's up there with like guys like Aaron Rodgers and all the other veteran quarterbacks that, you know, have had great careers, but they're kind of on their, you know, 36. last 36. Okay. Uh, not bad off the top of my head. Um, but we all know that this is kind of like their last leg, their last chapter. They're, you know, <laughs> we're going to see what Matt Ryan has to offer though. And instead of, Instead of giving Matt Ryan just fully loaded, like have him fully loaded. I know a lot of it had to do with the contract situation, salary cap, etc. But you draft Kyle Pitts, you got Calvin Ridley. Why not just run it back with Julio Jones and have him surrounded with all boatloads of talent and then hope that Arthur Smith can, you know, really help take that offense to another level, give it the proper balance that like he had in Tennessee, which Tennessee has one of the most balanced attacks in the National Football League over the last couple of years, which helped Ryan Tannehill's career. You know, why not run it back? I I, I under but I honestly I think it has a lot to do with finances. It's really that simple. No, I agree. I definitely think mostly first and foremost, it has to do with money. Um, which is which sucks because I did love the combination they had with Julio, I felt like he still was very successful. Like I was saying, even when he was hurt, he was still Julio. He was still doing amazing things last season. But with him being gone and looking at the depth chart now as it stands, obviously, I, I like Russell Gage, but I'm not as high on him necessarily as the wide receiver two there. Tajay Sharp, nice piece. But what I'm looking at here is with the addition of Kyle Pitts – the idea of having two tight end sets in this offense is kind of intriguing because you do still have Hayden Hurst there, who I don't feel like is any scrub. He's still a guy that can get the job done. Great red zone threat. And I think that he pairs nicely off Kyle Pitts. So I'm wondering if with that move, they're all, we're also going to see new options there in terms of ways to run that offense. You'll, you'll see some 12 personnel. I mean, you'll, you'll definitely see some, some two tight end sets. Uh, the thing is you, what Kyle Pitts showed at Florida, though, was that he wasn't really like your traditional inline tight end where you just had him blocking. Him. You really didn't. He's a move tight end where you just yeah. move him wherever the hell you want. Yeah. And he's unguardable in a lot of scenarios. He's mm -hmm. he's freaky. Um, but yeah, I would. I, I personally, it 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 sends an inconsistent message. It's like we're staying with Matt Ryan. So we can potentially give ourselves the best chance to win. But if you want to be competitive, then why the hell did you trade a guy who's an all pro level wide receiver? Like it's inconsistent is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, it's definitely inconsistent. There's, there's some, something is amiss and it, you're scratching your head. I'm left scratching my head. I think that if anything, this hopefully is just confidence in terms of the new type of offense they'll be running this season with Mike Davis as their main running back, with Kyle Pitts being the freak athlete that he is, he's going to be a Swiss Army knife across the field and be able to be utilized in a lot of different situations. Um, I also saw a lot of uh, tweets saying, you know, this this trade moves Kyle Pitts into that third, fourth tight end position overall it's ranking. It's I don't I'm not gonna. I'm not going to think it's crazy because I, I just I'm the, I'm that big of a believer and really the tight end position outside of Kittle, outside of Travis Kelsey, and outside of Darren Waller, roll the dice for the yeah. tight end four and Kyle Pitts with what I believe he's capable of doing with what I think will be an abundance of targets even in his rookie season is 
certainly worth uh, rolling the dice with him. Yeah, I, I could see him going tight end four, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock anybody for it. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think that it's just that vacation of targets um, from Julio that is very tantalizing for a lot of dynasty owners and a lot of people that are making their uh, draft rankings as they go into this season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Pitts climb as the hype and um, the train gets more and more loaded with people excited for Kyle Pitts. Where do you have Ridley though? Like what does this do? What is losing Julio? Because I think it's a loss for him. I, I, I think it, I'm not saying that he can't, he's still not going to see a a ton of targets and he's not going to be the primary uh, option on a lot of, passing concepts and reads and stuff of that nature. But I mean, Julio's demanded double, double team, Sam, mm-hmm. even at 31 yeah, injured at 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, half the time it felt like they, when he was really hurt and there were a couple of plays when you saw Julio playing and he was really starting to lumber and you know, they, they, they were gonna take him out when he was out there, he was a decoy and a fantastic decoy in order to draw that coverage to open Ridley up. I'm a little concerned. I agree. I feel like not having someone like that to draw that coverage is going to hurt him. But then you've got Kyle Pitts, who I don't see sitting out most, you know, offensive schemes. I feel like he's going to be there constantly and consistently, and he's going to be drawing a lot of coverage. He's a big guy. He's going to need to be covered double every single play. Well, Pitts, what makes Pitts so special is that he's too quick for linebackers and he's just too big for safeties. I mean, he is that, that matchup nightmare that truly great tight ends uh, present for all defensive coordinators. So. Yeah. And Kyle agrees with you. He says, this doesn't help Ridley might be a great sell high candidate. Uh, He's speaking my language. (laughs) I I can see that. I think that that makes sense. He He gets me. I feel like he's still going to see a ton of volume and a ton of targets, but is he going to exceed his expectations from last year? No, I think he's going to plateau and if anything, have a few steps missed this coming season. Efficiency will drop targets go up. So it probably levels out (laughs) It's like somewhere. I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll definitely see, but who, Julio definitely created a lot of opportunities for Calvin Ridley. I just don't want people to overlook that. Um, And I, I think it will impact him being the number one focus of opposing defensive coordinators on a week to week basis. I definitely see that. Well, hopefully we get some more fun and tantalizing news this coming week and we can join each other again next weekend for another episode of the Fantasy Debate. Guys, if you want to follow Derek, please follow him on Twitter at Dtater4 and you can follow myself on Twitter at Samantha R. Holt. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Sunday and happy drafting, guys. This has been a long time coming, but until next time, later, says the tater.